Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Barocco and I'm joined as ever by Stephen Carroll and Gitzel Thwellin. Evening both. Evening. Evening. Well, it's not going to be as upbeat a podcast as we've had recently, gents. We've had a couple of weeks off and we'll uh, explain why in just a little bit. But um, we've been talking about win after win. We've uh, we've notched up the longest unbeaten record in the championship in the meantime and... Uh, God, things were getting rosier and rosier. So coming up against the Huddersfield team that uh, hadn't won this year, is it just seemed like very, very Swansea-like, didn't it? it? It takes us back to the old days when you just knew anyone who needed a little bit of a break, uh, look for the time you're coming up against the Swans because we'll give it to you. And um, that's where we'll start, being this the most recent game. So uh, we'll get straight on to it. Hopefully this is like, you know, just... Pull the plaster off, get this game analysed as quickly as possible, and then we'll quickly touch on the others um, that we've missed in the meantime as well. But uh, hopefully we'll just get this one out of the way. 4-1, Gitto. Um, I mean, even the most pessimistic fan probably wouldn't have gone this far. Uh, it was everything that we had been previously doing right uh, fell apart. Um, the the, the defence, it just wasn't there. The control of midfield wasn't there. It it was far too easy for a team that should have been bereft of confidence to cut us open time and time again. Mm-hmm. Horrendous. And I'd add to that that um, on the occasions where we did actually get the ball in promising positions, we um, we were nowhere near as as effective and clinical as as we can be. Uh, it was a day when everything went wrong. Absolutely everything. It was um, uh, right up there with the worst performances of the season alongside um, that derby match. Um, Just the most unenjoyable game that I've seen this season. I feel bad complaining because we've been spoiled really this season with, um, you know, the results that we've been getting. But I I hated that match. I absolutely hated watching it. Um, I thought we were complacent to start off with. I thought, and and there were similarities in that sense with the Huddersfield match earlier in the season where we were unusually open at the back. Um, And I just thought we looked like we were going to turn up in kind of second gear and, and, you know, look to get the job done like that. And and then Huddersfield scored and it kind of shocked us. And we were on the back foot then and could have been further down until the kind of last five minutes of the half where we played pretty well and put them under pressure and, and got got a goal, but then came up for the second half and, and well we didn't come up for the second half. It was um it, it was it was a, a really nasty, nasty thing to watch really. Oh half time, yes as Gitto was saying, half time may have actually come a, a bad time for us, even though we did just score and get the equalizer, Steve. It was by far the best period of the game that we had, wasn't it? We came close a couple of times and had a still cleared one off the line and you just thought, oh, the goal's coming. Then it came and maybe we'd have been better suited if we had an extra 20 minutes of play then to um, to see if we could turn the screw. But uh, I don't know about you, but I was hoping after watching the display, which we'll, again, we'll talk about in a little bit, the Nottingham Forest game, which was, we were a little bit off the pace or a lot off, off the pace. Um it looked a lot of tired legs, maybe tired minds as well, given the fixtures we've had. And um, there's so much mental stress, isn't there, with the, with the promotion challenge as well? Because when you're up there, teams tend to win more, 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 more games. And there's a battle going on. 
you just can't afford to slip up. And so the mental strain of the last few weeks with Brentford and, and, and Norwich as well would have taken its toll. So I was a bit surprised at uh, at two o'clock to see that he didn't make a single change from the Forest game, especially considering he acknowledged after it that we weren't at the races. Yeah, I, I was surprised at that. And then, well, I think there can't really be any two ways about it, that it was definitely a mistake because we were quite uninspiring, <laughs> to say the least, in the Nottingham Forest game. So, yeah, I think we should have um, made changes and it was a surprise that he didn't really. Not not just because we were uninspiring, though, but because obviously it's such a hectic schedule. I think we're playing it on the next five midweeks and everything like that. I'm just like, you have to keep things fresh just because it's so hectic, but um, obviously there were no changes and uh, yeah, uh, it uh, it didn't help, did it, to say the least. I mean, as you say, really, it was a poor first half. Uh, we got that goal on the stroke of half time, which we needed really, but we probably, as you say, didn't want half time at that stage because we were actually, that was our best spell of the game, but it didn't do us any favours with half time coming and then we, we had a shocking few minutes, really, didn't we, at the start of the second half? And unfortunately, that put pay to, uh, to us getting any result, didn't it? Did get to. There was a crazy 10 minutes um, in the second half uh, where everything that left the Huddersfield foot seemed to end up in the Swansea net. And uh, Freddie Woodman couldn't quite believe what was going on. There was a, a deflected shot in there. There was a Wildey. There was just defensive laps after defensive laps. I felt... The midfield weren't tracking runners, and that's uncharacteristic for us. It was all very leggy, wasn't it? And and they just came out the second half wanting it more. And um, in that crazy 10 minutes, the game was gone. And that, that was so unexpected, really, because we've seen in recent games Huddersfield take the lead in matches, but then, you know, um, get pegged back and, and they couldn't hold on to lead. So when we made it to one, well, sorry, one all, I was thinking, oh, Great, this is this is ideal. Now we can come out second half, put them on the back foot, um, because I think they did show some kind of defensive weaknesses themselves in that first half, and showed that actually, if we made the right decisions, which is certainly something we weren't doing the first half, um, then then there were there were going to be chances for us. But they came out second half on the front foot. There was you know an element of luck to the first one. The deflect. I don't think it goes in without the deflection. Um, the second one, in my opinion, is just you know good play by Huddersfield, but bad defending by us. Uh, and the 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 fourth then is is a worldie like you said, but I I thought generally, you know, defensively we weren't there for some reason. We came out for that second half very open, um, ridiculously so really uh, for no apparent reason. And the thing is with us, we know that um, I made the point earlier in the week. Like a lot of people look at Swansea and think, how are we there? Well, we're there because we've got a good defence. Um, that's why we're up at the top end of the table. But to stay at that top end of the table, the defence has to be rock solid. You know, if if the defence isn't isn't on form, then we do not win games. And that's what that's what we saw against Huddersfield. It was a it was a rare off day, but it was a damaging off day. Um, they they just weren't tight enough. They they gave Huddersfield far too much freedom. Looked organisationally um, short of the standards that we've come to expect, and and they, we we really got badly punished for it. Um, and you know when our defence isn't isn't working, then nothing else is going to. Um, and and we spoke about midfield. I you know, I I thought the midfield was was really torn to shreds at times. I, I didn't notice that. I mean, Fulton got a yellow card early early on in the game, and then I think struggle from that point on. Horahan, apart from the free kick, 
pretty anonymous as far as I'm concerned. Grimes, you know, looked stretched throughout the entire match. And then in front of them, you had Ayu and Lowe, um, who I, I personally feel have, have looked um, less effective over the last few weeks. And on Saturday, I thought Lowe had his, his worst game of the season by quite some distance. He had none of the kind of energy and work rate that, that you'd usually see from him. And he was getting quite a lot of the ball in, in space and making the wrong decision every single time and making life easy for Huddersfield. It, it was just as a, as a complete performance, it was awful. And, and there isn't a single positive, I don't think, that we can take from that game. Every single player just, just had an off day and a, a bit like the derby match. And it was just just one that we'd all love to forget really yeah there's there's even more negatives longer lasting negatives as well but um back to the game steve and um ryan bennett was substituted at half time was one of the better substitutions that we did see um and you know that if, you, if you're struggling i always find that you you need you obviously need your experienced heads in there and obviously cabango comes into the team um Never, I'm, I'm not really sold. I, I like Ben Cabango. He's got a hell of a future on him, but he's got a lot of learning to do for me. And I think he's he, he perhaps lacks a bit of composure. Uh, he's not very good with the ball at his feet currently. And I always find a li- I'm a little bit more nervy. And, and that's with, um, he. I feel like when there's Bennett, Cabango, Gehi at the back as part of a back five, obviously he's got the support around him. And uh, he looks a lot more sturdy and solid, but I do find at times maybe we we lose a lot, uh, a lot when Ryan Bennett does not the pitch, and um, well that that certainly showed in the first ten minutes of the second half. Yeah, I mean it it probably wasn't the best circumstances to to come on, and obviously when you know half time is not not the best for a centre half, you want some stability really in in that position, and so I do have a little bit of sympathy for him, but. Yeah, he did look a little bit shaky. I think on the ball, I mean, he's 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 not brilliant. Uh, I would say that. I mean, I think his passing isn't as good as some of the other players. I don't know if we can completely, you know, blame it on. Oh no, no, or anything like that. But um, yeah, he he didn't look great. I but I do have some sympathy for him. But I mean, as you say, I mean, his you know his he's good in the air that's probably one of his his major strengths we didn't really have that many crosses into the box from what I remember so he didn't really get to use that that strength but I suppose Cooper must be thinking similarly because recently he's not so much been in the team as he we've seen Norton playing as the the third centre half so mm. you know Cooper must be must have one or two doubts about him but I mean Bennett picked up a knock and he had to come on and you know that that definitely didn't help the situation. I think that would be the case. So no matter who went off in in any like type of uh, game like that, because you just want that continuity at the back, and it can unsettle things if if it gets changed. So yeah, that 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 was bad, and hopefully Bennett isn't you know is is not isn't serious. There's um there's some things Gitto, which only football can provide you with the irony, which isn't seen anywhere else in the world. I'm sure it isn't. And Steve Cooper is a man who's long since long been criticised for not utilising his subs, and in a game where he threw caution to the wind and used all of them early on, and he made the changes at half time and he made a further three after an hour, and then we see the horror injury 
which I'm devastated about, to, to Jordan Morris, who I really, really, really wanted to see a lot more. I really like what I've seen of him. And we're left with 10 men. You cannot script the level of irony that, that, that occurred that, in that moment. It, it summed up the, the match, really, didn't it? Just everything that we tried just did not come off. I mean, in fairness to, to Cooper, I mean, there were some people say asking why he made double substitution. I thought Lowe was way off the pace in the first half and needed to be changed for, for Morris, who we were all hoping was going to have a really big impact on this match and the rest of the season. Uh, and, and obviously, now we know that Bennett was, was injured. And, and in fairness, I thought Bennett looked off the pace in the first half as well. I didn't think he was great. Um, made quite a few mistakes. Um, so, you know, it, it those f- f- those substitutions were forced. He then, of course, had to roll the dice because we'd gone down um, three or four one. Um, and obviously, you don't expect a player to sustain the kind of injury that, that, that Morris has. And, I mean, we 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 just send our best wishes to him and hope that um, he has a speedy recovery. But but it didn't look good in any way, shape, or form. Instantly, when he went down, you thought, "Oh, this this looks painful." And then you saw the replay, and it was it was quite obvious that that he'd sustained uh, a nasty injury. Um, we're still waiting, of course, to find out the, the exact details of that. But I think the assumption that we've made is that he's not going to be back anytime soon, and and quite possibly that's his season over, which. Um, which is a horrible blow for him personally after making such a big move across the Atlantic. Um, but but I think it's also a, a potentially a really damaging one for the Swans because I, I don't think our strikers have been very good late, lately. I think IU and Lowe have um, seen their levels drop, whether that be tiredness um, after playing a lot of football, in fairness, um, which is another argument in favour of substitutions, like you were saying, um, people make. Um, but I think I think it was really calling out for Jordan Morris to get a spell in the team and to to add a bit of energy up front. And now that he's not available, we're, we're kind of stuck with IU and Low while they're not really hitting top form. Um, or we go for somebody like Morgan Whitaker, who's who's still untested really and still very very young to be um, taking on that kind of responsibility. So it, it's a horrible personal blow for him but but for the team as well I think I think it's come at an awful time for us it was just about as Gitto said Steve just about everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong um and and, and yes I think you know the way the way it went you were just praying for the ref to blow up in the end wouldn't you because um 10 men for the last 25 minutes or so however long it was, and and you're, you're just thinking this this could get really ugly. Thankfully, Huddersfield were quite content with a 4-1 win, and um, and we just battened down the hatches. But uh, this, let's try, if, if at all possible. I know we've all kind of agreed that there's absolutely no positives to be taken from the game, and I, I think that's a fair comment to make. But if we were to try and force one out, it would be for me that... Given watching the Nottingham Forest game, this sort of result, maybe not the scoreline, but this result was kind of looking like it was on the horizon. The performance against Nottingham Forest was below par. Uh, we scored from our only a ch- chance at all during the game in that one, and um, and so this was perhaps on the cards. And and to get it in such emphatic fashion will hopefully send a message. To, to Cooper that he needs to perhaps um, 
look at freshening things up a bit because things haven't always been, you know, glitz and glamorous. And Cooper himself has been quite honest about it, Steve, hasn't he? He's, he said, you know, that wasn't good enough. Yes, we'd like to do more with the ball. Yes, we'd like to do this. And we've got out of jail a few times. And and, and this perhaps is a message that uh, you've got a really good squad. Uh, we do, obviously... Devast- absolutely devastated about the loss of Jordan Morris, but we still do have a very good squad, and it is with the fixtures piling up. We really do need to use it more than we have been. There's players in the wings that uh, that should be getting a game every other week, and and they're not. Yeah, it, it's got to be a lesson to us, really. That you know, he's he's not made that many changes this season. I mean, if you look up front, Lowen here, you must have played pretty much every game, for example, and. You know, maybe the effects are starting to show. But and as you say, I mean, if we're being honest, even though we've been on a good run recently, I don't think we've been playing brilliantly. I mean, we've had a great habit of scoring against the run of play. I would say, you know, we haven't dominated that many games, but we have kept clean sheets, and that's what um what has been based on. I mean, Ghetto made a great point earlier, as if to say, you know, if our defensive levels were to drop, I think we would have a problem. Because when we don't score enough goals and we don't create enough chances, which is why we don't score enough goals. So I think there are there's definitely things that are slightly concerning. Um, so and you do wonder if people are tired. I mean, you look at someone like Jake Bidwell, who I think is not playing as well as at the start of the season, and arguably Ryan Manning should now be in the side and certainly should be getting more of a chance. I mean, you look at um, well Corey Smith now obviously is back from injury. I think. You know, it should be worth bringing him in. Morris obviously is an ob- the obvious one, but that's not going to happen now because that injury looks serious. And of course, we wish him well. So you just think we we do not need to start making you know a couple more changes. Not you know some of the players have been playing very well, and maybe they just need a breather because the fact is you can't expect people to play you know all these games. I mean, playing every midweek. And you know all the travelling and all these things. You've got to wonder as well mentally whether it's taken this toll on some of the players because you know they've, they've probably been restricted from seeing their families more. So I mean they don't live here or anything like that, and they're just playing constantly. The schedule is just so relentless. So, you know you just think just try and rotate a bit because I think if he doesn't, we are going to run into difficulties because we're going to be burned out. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping that one or two lessons are are learned from that because as you say, I mean the Forest game was poor. And it was a surprise that he picked the same team and that didn't do us any favours, really, did it? It didn't. And let's, let's talk about the Forest game then. Um, the Huddersfield is trying to burn that one out of our system. Uh, Forest, Gitto, was a, it, well, it turned out a very pleasant surprise. Uh, we'd had a, we had a bit of time off following the uh, Sheffield Wednesday postponement. Um, and we had an opportunity, didn't we, where... Um, we thought, well, we can we can approach this now. We should be fresh. We should be, you know, firing all cylinders. Just never got off the ground, did it? Forest, you know, they, they they spent a lot of the game in our half. They didn't pepper the goal, no matter what the uh, reports say. We were, you know, Woodman didn't have a great deal to do, but um, but they were the better of the two teams. I think that's a fair comment, and um, and we snatched it at the death. And uh, just we have a. <laughs> up until the Huddersfield game, we have a way of keeping ourselves in games that we don't necessarily deserve to be in. And that has been built on a very, very assured and sturdy defence. And and from there, you give yourself an opportunity to do something. Yeah, I think Forrest showed us 
um, a lot of the reasons why the Swans are where they are this season. Um, we've picked up a lot of points in games where we've not created that many chances. We've not been dominant in any way, shape or form. Um, but that defence has has stood firm and, and really limited the opposition. And I, I think it was the same thing against Forest. I saw a few Forest fans and even a few Swansea fans after the game saying that, implying that kind of all oh, Forest really deserved the win, etc., and that they'd somehow dominated the match, etc. That that wasn't the case in any way, shape, or form. It was it was a nil nil game. Uh, in every sense, really. If there was any team that, des- that that did deserve the win, it was probably Forrest. But, I mean, when you look at the chances that they had, they, they were long shots, really. I mean, Knockout did very, very well to even hit the crossbar with his effort in the first half. Unlucky, but it was, it was a, you know, a, a low percentage effort, really. And then second half, he had a header at the back post, which he was always going to do well to to get in from that from that angle and that situation. And then a lot of people pointed the grab and shot, which went right across the face of goal. Well, he actually did very, very well to get it so close to the goal. But if that had gone in, it would have been a major mistake on our part. Uh, and and if it had been just a couple of inches further to the right, which would have put it on target, it would have been straight at Woodman. So, you know, th- th- those were the, the full extent of Forest chances. They did not create much either. Our defence had a reasonably straightforward game, I thought. And what we've seen from the Swans this season is that when the defence is on form, as it was against uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, you only need one good opportunity to win a game. And that's what happened. I mean, there was there was nothing created at all up until the final five minutes when a ball goes into the box and Connor Roberts arrives to, to head it in. And um, it's it's got us the three points. And I think a lot of Brentford fans were kind of looking at that and thinking, how have Swansea fluked this again? But it just goes to show the value of a good defence because Brentford, I think, are now up to one clean sheet in the last 14 league games, which which is an awful run, um, really. And while they're not kind of shipping goals for the most part in, in games, um, you know, even if you're only conceding one goal in a game, that, that puts pressure on your attackers then to get at least two goals to win a match. Um, and Brentford's attackers are fantastic, but but they're going to struggle to score two goals every single game. Um, so it, it you know, and and we've seen over the last few games that they've not been able to sustain that kind of goal scoring form, and it shows the value of our defence because it it takes pressure off an attack which which doesn't always function for us. I wish we'd done this podcast after the Forest game because um, the mood would have been quite different. I think. Everything, um, finding out the shock Brentford result playing at the same time. Uh, and obviously with, with us scoring so late on, Steve, um, Cooper said himself that dressing room was as loud as he's heard it since he's been at the club. And you can imagine why. I mean, you've won a game you didn't expect to win and, and, and that's just a fabulous feeling in football. There's nothing better than, than grabbing a win when you really don't look like you're going to be able to... Um, and in such dramatic circumstances, and to find out you thought Brentford were just, you know, coasting uh, to, to to automatics, and then there's there's quite a blip, isn't it, in London for them? You know, they really are um, hitting a rough patch. As, as Gitto alluded to the clean sheets, but uh, up until recently, they've managed to keep banging them in, and you know, even Tony has been doing the business as well. When we talked about them a few weeks ago, they've they've got such a fantastic option of players up the top that will all chip in and create. But um, 
at the moment, it's looking like the door is creaking open for them uh, to 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 create an opportunity. And what was previously a, a three-horse race has suddenly become something of a four-horse race uh, with, with Watford coming into it as well. Um, so it, it is all heating up, isn't it? So this this would have been a much better podcast to do after the uh, after the Forest game. But uh, again, they played earlier than us on the weekend when we played Huddersfield. Do you think that possibly the fact that Brentford lost, um, it kind of almost added to the weight of expectation against Huddersfield? Because we didn't turn up. There was almost a complacency, a tiredness. The you know, we should have been thinking Brentford have lost again. What an opportunity. And what an opportunity missed it was. Yeah, you have got to wonder, haven't you? I mean, we, we obviously, we don't know for sure if the players were even aware of, of the result that may have been kept from them. Although you would have thought that seen as they'd lost, you know, they would have been said, look, they, they've lost you again. This is a, a great chance for us to, even if we'd come away with a draw, you'd be thinking, well, you know, it's a point closer. And obviously, one of our main rivals have lost, so it's, we've gained on them again. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Really, I mean, you're you're always going to lose games occasionally. So, how much of an effect did it have? It's it is difficult to um, to really know, isn't it? But it, it is interesting the whole thing of teams playing at different times. I must admit, because you often wonder if, like, say, you no know, Brentford had one, that puts more like pressure on us then, doesn't it? And it probably is an advantage, I would say, to play first in general. Because then it gives you that chance, yeah. doesn't it, to to win, and then obviously put the pressure on. But but the same way, obviously, because they lost in theory, that should have given us a lift. I mean, I always remember the the game where we played Everton after Sunderland had beaten Hull, and you think the lift that must have given would have been unbelievable. And we may not have, you know, it, that sort of gave us like a nice advantage. And I always remember Leicester. I think when they I won was going to say the Leicester yeah. were complaining because Leicester were always playing first, and in general they seem to keep winning. So that didn't give Spurs that opportunity then to maybe close, which would have put Leicester under pressure. I mean, you you can never tell, can you, if it actually makes a difference and, you know, whether it's it's fair or not, I suppose, is open to debate. But the fact is, as soon as you sign your, your life away to Sky Sports, uh, you don't have a leg to stand on anyway. But, um, you know, um, yeah, it, it should have really given us that extra lift, shouldn't it, the Brentford result? But obviously it, uh, it didn't, did it? No, it didn't. Um, but there is a positive because that gap has closed Gitto. And in a game or in a week, or even a week, in four days, where our performance is probably at most, I mean, it's pushing it, but at most warranted one point, we've got three. So out of the two games, uh, two really poor performances from ourselves, we've managed to win one and lose one. And, you know, that's... There's a fair turnaround for us. We've got to look at the positives of that and hope the lessons are learned, and um, and and pray for good news on on Jordan Morris. Of course, um, the reason why we were optimistic going into Forest was because of that Sheffield Wednesday postponement, and that's why we didn't do a podcast that week. And that's why we've got a few to analyse um, because we had no game, um, no league game at least to analyse. But we will touch on the uh, cup game that we had before we talked in our last podcast as a preview to the Man City game. Steve, I'll come back to you because you were quite of the opinion, I remember, of um, let's get out of the cup and concentrate on the league. That's our bread and butter. Um, 
And we did. We lost. We lost comfortably, but it wasn't embarrassing. I think that was important not to knock the confidence out of the team too much. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't lay a glove on them. If we're, we're being honest, they, they completely dominated and it could have been a lot worse if we're going to be truthful about it. I mean, when they scored those two goals early in the second half, I was uh, thinking this could get very nasty here. But to be fair, we, we dug in and uh, made sure that didn't happen. And to be fair to Morgan Whitaker, he did take his goal very well. So, yeah, we lost uh, convincingly. It happens. They're beating everybody at the moment, if we're being serious about it. So I don't think we've got anything to be ashamed about. So we'll, you know, we'll move on. And I, I as I said, I do think the cup was an unwanted distraction this year, which isn't like me. But uh, this year, I think it's an exception because everything is just so hectic. And let's be honest, made the cup final, can't go anyway. So you know, <laughs> that would would be one of the greatest moments in our history, and you can't even go and enjoy it. So. Yeah, the, the, for me, the, this was not a year for the Cup. And, uh, yeah, we're out now, so we can concentrate on the league. Yeah, um, just a quick uh, point of note on the Man City game. Yeah, so I think of everything, the most frustrating part for me was the, um, the Kyle Walker goal and the uh, Gabriel Jesus goal were both mistakes, really. I mean, OK, the Kyle Walker goal is just... You know, no one really got a touch in it and Woodman was expecting it. But, I mean, that's bounced three times before it's ended up in the back of the net. That should never happen. And the Hazel's goal comes from a mistake from uh, Latibaudier, who just did it a bit and misplaced the pass on the edge of his box. And I think in that circumstance, you hope that if you're going to lose a game, you're going to lose because the opposition were just better than you, or did something a bit special that you, you can't really legislate for. Whereas when you make defensive lapses or... You know, no one cuts out the, a, a long, deep cross. Then, um, then that's the frustration because you give yourself an uphill mountain to climb without needing that against the uh, the runaway leaders. Yeah, and I think frustration is the way to put it, really, because we you expect to go out against Man City, especially you know this Man City team on the on the winning run that they're on. I mean, it would have taken something remarkable for us to for us to beat them, but um, unfortunately, the, the the nature of the goals. Um, just left us feeling that we'd made it a bit too easy for them. Uh, we're capable of defending much better than we did on the night. Um, and, and we don't usually show those kind of lapses in concentration, which um, gave them those those scoring opportunities. Um, so while it was not a surprise that we lost to Man City, yeah, it's disappointing that we that we didn't um, that, that we didn't make life a bit harder for them. Although I, I thought the general performance was all right. Um, and there, there were some there were some positives to take from it, including, of course, Morgan Whitaker's um, debut goal. Um, so I, I thought it was a worthwhile, you know, exercise, um, a great opportunity for a lot of the youngsters to test themselves against one of the best teams in the world. Um, yeah, just a shame that we couldn't make it that little bit more difficult for them on their on their route to the next round. Well, given the news of Jordan Morris, and we're expecting in the next few days to hear the extent of that injury and, and let's be honest we're all fearing the worst even though we hope that we're wrong um it is a positive to take that Whitaker's goal was of such high class against what looks like the runaway winners of the Premier League this year because uh for strikers they thrive on goals and getting that confidence and to get one on you know your first uh your start well he wasn't even a starter was he he came off the bench so um it was a fantastic finish from him and 
with our current situation of AU and low not firing all cylinders, already have Cullen out injured. Um, we were already scouring the market for attacking options, and Whitaker may now see himself, or well, he should probably see himself with a bit more game time and opportunity. We did see him come off the bench uh, against Huddersfield, and we, we expect now we'll see a bit more of him over the hectic schedule that follows. Um, I'm just trying to pull positives, gents. I really am. Uh, you know, we can look at that. We can look and see a bit more of Whitaker. Um, I wonder what your opinion is, Steve. I mean, we've queried it before. Uh, Paul Ariola, and when he was meant to be brought in as a fullback, then he was a midfielder. Then the club announced him as a frontman or a forward. Um, I wonder if he's one that's been looked at as someone to perhaps play higher up the pitch than any of us expected. Uh, You'd hope that again he's another one who'll see a bit more game time, given that we've got um, we haven't got a midweek off now uh, in quite a while. Yeah, I mean I think he is likely to get more game time because you know, needs must. But I mean with Harry Hall, there's a bit of a funny one, isn't he? Because what what is his position? If you know what I mean, he seems like one of those that can play in a few positions. But I mean if you listen to Americans, it's, it sounds like he's more of a winger. But also don't play with wingers, so. Yeah, I'm. I am just a little bit baffled on it, if uh, truth be told. I mean, what I don't know what we're we're going to see from him. I mean, comments from Cooper about both of them saying that they're not really up to speed. Um, I can't remember when he said that. It was about a week or so ago, because obviously it's the off season in America. It's not exactly inspiring either, because I mean, we need signings to sort of hit the ground running because the games are coming thick and fast. So that sort of indicates to me why they've they've not played a great deal yet. So. Well, I don't know what he's going to do, is in, is the uh, honest answer. I mean, you've got to look at Whitaker as well. We, we should be seeing more of him now because obviously we don't think we're going to see Morris for a while. Um, yeah, it's it's a strange one. I'm I'm not sure what Cooper's intentions are with um, Ariola, but I think it will be interesting to find out. Yes, um, well, those are the three and a bit games to un- uh, we had to analyse tonight. <laughs> Um, with the Sheffield Wednesday plus one one thrown in the middle there as an off comment, but uh, doesn't help Gitto, does it? An extra fixture rearranged. There's two in hand, which looks great on the league table when you consider the potential. And in a normal league season, you'd probably look at it and think, yeah, you know what? A team in form can go and win three, four, five games on the bounce, and the games in hand look more favors uh you know look more favorable at the top of the division because those are the teams that tend to win more than they lose um that said this is the odd season where you really don't want to get <laughs> you don't want to have games in hand on your rivals because that just means that all the games around that fixture are going to be even more intense even more piled up and uh you run the risk of uh, having a collapse of mental and physical fatigue Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, the one thing I will say is that I was more um, annoyed with the with the fixture pileup when when the initial match against Sheffield Wednesday was postponed. Obviously, since then, a few results have gone our way, uh, specifically Brentford, um, which leaves us in this position where we are still just a point off second with two games in hand. So that that does give us a great degree degree of control over our situation. Um, but obviously, it's the fixture pileup that, that worries us. I mean, it's 
it's a mad enough season as it is. It's a, it's a busy enough season as it is. Um, the games are coming th- so thick and fast. You know, th- those midweeks where you can take a little bit of a break are invaluable. Um, and, and the fact that we haven't got one now, I don't think until kind of April, um, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to just put that extra strain on the players. And, um, you know, there, there, were already, there were already some tired legs in um, in the performance the other night, uh, the other day, sorry, uh, against Huddersfield. Um, you do wonder further down the line, especially as the pressure of the promotion race kind of builds, is it going to come back to bite us? That's that's my that's my worry, really. Yes. Um, well, time will tell, I suppose. When it? it is a it is a crazy fixture list uh, we've got coming up over the next few months. Um, right. In the meantime, there was a fans forum. Steve, uh, you dialed into it and give a um, give a running commentary on 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 Twitter. Um, there's a. I don't suppose there was many uh, revelations that came out of it, but um, fill us in on, on what, what may be news to, to some who, who didn't follow that evening. Yeah, I mean, as you say, there wasn't, um, there was nothing especially groundbreaking, I, I don't think. Um, one interesting thing was that Cooper admitted that he stumbled across, um, obviously, the, the current formation we're playing now because we had injuries at the time, which wasn't really a revelation that um that I was expecting if uh if I'm honest so yeah but he, to be fair he didn't uh, sugarcoat it or anything he, he held his hands up and admitted that that was the case which I thought was quite a brave move um the academy I suppose is quite a big talking point doesn't sound like we're going to go back to category one and they were trying to justify that category two was what we need and a lot of category one is spending money that isn't great value when you've got a lot of people working and maybe you, you're focusing more on, on quantity than quality. So that was uh, that was another one really that was mentioned. I mean, in terms of fans returning, obviously it's, it's out of the club's hands. They think by August there'll be something, um, but they're not convinced it's going to be full crowds, which obviously isn't uh, exactly why any of us want to hear so it'll be what's this space. I mean, if anyone does want to have a look at it, the the, uh, the thread is still on my Twitter page. So feel free to have a look at that. Stephen SOS 1987. So yeah, on there you can see pretty much everything that was uh, was said from the forum. It, it all went quite well considering it was online, to be fair. Obviously, they're usually done um, in person, but that's not an option at the moment due to the usual rules. So um, yeah, I think it was an interesting night, but there wasn't anything especially groundbreaking, I would say. But uh, that's that's a couple of the main points anyway. Yeah, um, other news in the meantime, which obviously explains why halfway up to Sheffield Wednesday, we find out the game's off and have to come back the, the, the day before, that the team that is. And the two uninspiring performances since was because uh, just after the Man City game, we find out that... Uh, Steve Cooper was awarded Manager of the Month for January, Gitto. Uh, so it explains, obviously, everything that we talked about for the first half hour of this podcast is completely down to that. Obviously, it's all down to the uh, Manager of the Month, because even though the um, the three managers who uh, won it um, before uh, Cooper also won the following uh, the No, following no, it's just this, and that explains everything, and we don't have to worry about anything. And, and, of, course, and of course, Cooper Cooper won his next match after getting the award as well, it's worth remembering. So uh, there's so much stuff about that, like the manager of the month curse, etc. It's, um, 
it doesn't exist, um, <laughs> to put it simply. Um, but it was, it was deserved. I, I mean, when you look back at the results that we've had in, in um, January, a win against Watford, uh, you know, fell promotion candidates, a very impressive win, I thought, one of our most impressive of the season. Uh, we followed that up with a less impressive away win against Barnsley, but typical of the Swans, really. We got a draw against Brentford, which was a good result, despite it not being a good performance. And then finished off the month with um, with with an, uh, a really solid three one away win against an informed Rotherham. So it was um, it, it was a great month for us in um, uh, January. I think we picked up as many points as any other team in the division, and of course had to face you know two of our promotion candidates um, in that time. So I think Cooper was the obvious choice for the award. Yeah. Um... I still think Gitto is going to be easy there. I think we'll be fine now. Once the, once we've lost now, we've lost, we've got it out of the way. That's the curse. It is a curse, Steve. This lady from there. Uh, right, another thing, which you talked about pre-recording, actually, um, which I didn't say we were going to chuck in, but we'll chuck it in anyway because it's interesting. Uh, Steve, you read the updated expected goals chart, um, which I think it was you that said you'd seen it, hadn't you? Um, for the division, it's not updated from yesterday, but it is. Um, well, it's going to look worse, but yeah, but yeah, from a small it probably is going to look worse, but it, well, it looks bad enough now. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not going to be again. It's not going to be groundbreaking for Swans fans. We know our style of play means that we do what we need to do. We know we've got a sturdy defence, so one goal tends to do it for us. Um, so we don't go gung ho. We're not a Brentford who tries to score more and more and more and more and more. And uh, for the glitz and glamour, we get the points on the board and do just enough. And that's how we've played. That said, doesn't look like our position in the expected goals chart reflects a team who are gunning for automatic promotion, I think it's fair to say. No. Um, obviously, we're, we're third in the, the real table at the moment, just to point out. I know a lot of people will only care about that. In the expected... Goals league table, which is adjusted for the expected goals. We are 19th, which I think is pretty staggering, to be honest with you. That's very low. Sort of indicates that we don't obviously create much. And obviously, we're, we're probably very clinical in, in front of goal. And obviously, we're, we're keeping clean sheets, which there probably isn't a lot of truth in that, I would say. So... Yeah, I mean, you can you can look at variables with it. I mean, stuff like, obviously, if you score and you're in front, you're not going to go for it so much. So, obviously, maybe your expected goals won't be so high. But I do have to think that this, there is something in it, at least because we can't be third, but 19th in that, if you know what I mean. It does suggest we're being a little bit lucky, maybe. So, I mean, I have read stuff about it before, and I think around November time, Spurs were top of the league. And Liverpool were obviously well in there. And I know that the people with expected goals were saying that Spurs basically are overachieving like by quite a bit. And obviously they've now dropped down the table, maybe to what more they were expecting. And they've also said similar with Liverpool that they're like that they were like their results were probably better than the way they were playing and that luck has sort of caught up with them, probably maybe a little bit more so now because obviously they they're on such a shocking run. But it'll be interesting to see if that does happen to us. Obviously, hopefully it won't. But yeah, it's. I think it's an interesting point. I'm sure a lot of people are not going to like it, but um, I suppose uh, you two should probably uh, come in at this point. Uh, no, we'll keep leaving you, Dick. No, it's fine. Now we had this last season, Gitto, didn't we? Uh, we had a bit of an online spat, if you like, with Leeds fans following our win up there in the last minute, and 
you know, they were doing expected goals then back in August, and they were saying, you know, the only positive complimentary thing about Swansea is that they're very, very clinical. And I guess when you're playing a football match and you know that one goal will win it, and your first chance or your first real chance ends in a goal, then you expect the goals is going to look quite poor, isn't it? Because we are, we do tend to be clinical. We do tend to score one of the first clear chances that we make. I don't remember too many good chances gone missing this season. Jamal Lowe had a couple of games against um, Norwich and Brentford, which we talked over and over about, because perhaps they were the standout moments where we missed good chances in games. But apart from that, when we create decent chances, we do tend to score them, and we don't tend to go for many more after that, do we? Yeah, that that's the that's one of the main points I'd make with this, like the caveat um to these to, to these figures. Obviously nineteenth on an XG table looks looks awful, but our style doesn't really lend itself to XG, uh, really, um, in the sense that what what we do tend to do is we tend to over the course of a season, I mean, we, we tend to score relatively early in games. Um, you know, we're usually ahead at halftime. Um and um, from that point on, we sit we sit deep and protect, which which isn't nice to watch always, you know. And it it's incredibly frustrating if you're an uh, opposition team playing against that. But but that is our style, and it's it's worked superbly for us. But that's not going to look fantastic on on XG table because the opposition is going to get a few chances because we're allowing them to have more of the ball unchallenged. And and we're not going to create much ourselves because we're we're just focusing mainly on protecting a lead. So. Yeah, I mean, if we if we'd been behind a bit more in in games this season, our XG would ironically probably be be a bit higher. But but we but because we've been scoring early, we we haven't needed to add to that XG. Um, I I would, however, agree that we're probably overperforming when you look at our current league position compared to performances. I I, I think we've 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 all said at various stages this season. That I, th- I think it, it's been we've we've also benefited from a, a good share of luck. I mean, you know, there's a bit of debate about how you can assess, you know, finishing and how you can assess how, how clinical a side is, etc. And where and how much of that is down to to skill and how much of it is down to luck. And and the truth is that you know you're always going to de- rely on a, a, a certain degree of luck to to get the kind of figures that conversion rates than the Swans have been getting this season. You know, we, we have been scoring quite a few goals from, from relatively few decent chances. Uh, and you have games like the one against Rotherham then where we score three goals from quite unlikely scoring opportunities. Um, you know, that, but it's, um, it, it's, it, it's, I, so I wouldn't necessarily say the XG table is entirely wrong and, and you know, the Swans fully deserve to be where they are and, and we are quite obviously, you know, among the among the top two teams in the league uh, on points per game. No, I think we have relied quite a bit on luck this season and, and perhaps in that sense, the Huddersfield game was kind of a fate catching up with us. But um, I, we, we're still not a bad team by any means and we're still... Um, deserving of a place, I think, in the promotion chase, um, and and the the XG table is is highly misleading when you consider how low it puts us. So um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily as black and white as that XG table would would paint this picture. It's lovely to see Ghetto offering the metaphorical hand 
to help Steve <laughs> up out of the hole. <laughs> we'll move hey, on. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think it is literally the the be all and end all, but yeah. there's definitely something in it. There's got to be. Oh, you, you just yeah, watched definitely. us. It's, it's the way we play. I mean, it, you know, you could have watched us earlier on in the season, in particular in games where we we sat back and we're all sitting there thinking we cannot defend this for 35 minutes. Please, will someone get the ball on halfway and hold it up so we can move up the pitch? And we go getting frustrated watching it, thinking we can't, we cannot now put backs to the wall. It's barely an hour on the clock, and yet we did, and we have many times seen out the result. And we're all going there, thinking, well, that's why I'm sat on my sofa at home and not in a dugout. But you know, he, 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 there is a fortune element do, to it. Do you know what the um, the irony is? Like, it's in front of me. I've got the XG table, and it also gives you the XG breakdown for each game. Do you know our highest XG at home? It was the only game we've lost against Huddersfield. Yeah, we played. We played well in that game. We, we I, I said I mean, that, that lends a lot into what Gitto said about yeah. being behind and having to create. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. in that game they scored two goals very much against the run of play um, that, that left us chasing a match, which actually we 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 had much the better of. It was a very different game to the one we played at uh, the John Smith Stadium this weekend. We were actually. Uh, we played a lot of good football, created a lot of good chances, but just could not put them away. Whereas, you know, at the John Smith Stadium, we we created very little, scored um, a long range effort from a free kick, and um, were very open. And and you know, but can, but but I I'd love to know what Huddersfield's xG was from this weekend actually because they had a lot of chances. Yeah. But like you say, it hasn't it hasn't updated yet. Our worst yeah. one by a country mile is the Brentford one, North Point One O. And theirs was 2.88. So that really does tell you that it was complete daylight robbery. Yeah, it, it really was. that. I, and anybody who watched that game would accept that. But I mean, when it comes to XG, I think even like the it's most like ardent supporters would admit it's not uh, like without its fault. There are always going to be situations which don't fit in with the metric, etc. It's not a foolproof system. And there are going to be teams which kind of defy it. Um, for for various reasons, yeah, I think it's more like if it if it shows like a clear like difference in it, like that Brentford one is obviously fairly obvious, but you get a lot of them where like your XG. I'll, I'll give you an example now. You look at Barnsley away, we were 0.63 and theirs was 0.68. So obviously, there's not like a massive difference there, is it? No, no, there's barely anything in it, you know. Um, and that's and that's way the, the way a lot of our games have been this season. I think is just. There's not really been much much in it, really, but we've just had that little extra quality in front of goal and possibly that little bit of extra luck um, that's, that's seen the ball go into the back of the net. And that's happened quite a lot compared to you know your usual season. And you do look back at previous seasons and you think, man, if we had that kind of luck back then, who knows what could have happened, you know? Yeah, but def- definitely the biggest robbery we've pulled, I would say, based on XG is the Rotherham away game where it says 0.48 to their 1.21, which sort of indicates that our finishing on the day was pretty special, which and, it was, wasn't it? And again, we were up reasonably early in that game and then sat back and defended until they scored a goal, which gave yeah. us a kick up the backside and we went straight up the other end and scored. Again, it, that XG, does, XG does not really account for that kind of situation. You know, when if, if you... Take XG as some kind of measure of of who deserves to win the game based on you know that kind of stuff. So um, I think yeah, with I, it as well, Gitto, um, the, the way 
technology is gone now and, and everyone's an analyst and everyone's a statistician. Uh, there's a lot of science being brought into football and it does kind of try and force you away from looking at the art form of it and you will never get as clear a picture of a football match as just watching a football match. You know, yeah. you can look at the stats and the shots on target, the shots off target and the expected goals and all that as much as you want. But I think your best tell of a football match is just watching it and you will never get the full picture of us knowing our strength in that team comfortably is the back five. And we and all know any it. Statistician, any statistician will tell you that. that you don't rely entirely on on XG. Use your eyes as well. Look at yeah. the look at the entire picture. I like I like XG actually. I think it has well, I wouldn't say I like it, but but I, I it definitely has its merit. And there is uh you know th- there are some good theories behind it. I I not you know I I think sometimes some people put a bit too much emphasis on it. Um, but generally, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not one of, I'm definitely not one of these people that says XG is a lot of nonsense, etc. Um, it definitely has its merit. Um, but, uh, but I, I do think the Swans this season show that actually football is less kind of easy to determine through the stats and the data than, say, American football or baseball. And certainly, you know, the uh, American sports are much more you know, st- um, strictly aligned to the data than, than than football is. And even something like rugby, you know, rugby very rarely do, do the stats not tally up with the result in, in a rugby match. Whereas in football, it happens quite a lot when you look at it over the course of an entire season. Steve, do you want to chip in about rugby? I know you're a big fan. Steve, uh, we're not talking still about that on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to Ospreys Till I Die. <laughs> uh, and I'd right. like to bid you all a good night. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a sample size, Steve, of two. Steve, obviously more of a Scarlet fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, look, anyone who's listening to this now, after that really good chat, actually, I'm glad we brought it up because it's. Um... I'm expecting Pelters. <laughs> you won't get them, don't worry. I'm, I'm expecting most people have switched off. That's the most geeky chat that we've ever had on no, this podcast. It was good. I enjoyed it. It was good. But it was interesting as we picked out sample sizes there. We picked out um, games in which we had higher XG. So if anyone's listening, thinking about this XG table, oh my God, we're going to fall away now. All we've just gone to prove over the last 10 minutes is that more often than not, we've just done what we've had to do to get the result. Because in the game where we had our highest XG, it was the game which we lost, which we needed to create chances. And when we needed to create the chances, we created the chances. Uh, when we don't, when we're leading and it's up to the opposition to come and score, then we're quite happy to sit back knowing that we've got the strength and depth at the back and the numbers back there to see it out. And more often than not, that's happened. But uh, we don't go chasing goals. We're not a Brentford and we never will be. And Cooper's never going to win glamour awards for his style of play. But the results have been coming because we've just done enough clinical and uh, effective, I breath are the two words I'd most associate with Swans um, football, which are not always necessarily for the purists. But uh, there we go. Well, we've got two games coming up now. They're both at home, uh, but what does that mean these days, eh? But uh, first up is Coventry. That's a mid one at the start. Well, not the start, but uh, certainly uh, another uh, of our midweek uh, games that come up as we uh, hit this run now of midweek 
Saturday, midweek, Saturday, midweek, Saturday for a while. Um, and given the last couple of performances, Steve, and particularly the result against Huddersfield, a reaction, I think it's fair to say, is needed to turn that into a, make sure that was just a blip and uh, nothing more serious. Yeah, I just think it needs to maybe freshen things up a bit. And and also, we probably need to be a bit more on, on the front foot because, you know, I'm not going to say the, the golden phrase that Kitto just hates more than anything. But I do think, obviously, we, we need to approach these games in mind, thinking, you know, we, we need to try and win if we can because draws would not be great results, really, would they, for playing against sides in the bottom half at home when you chase an automatic promotion. So... Yeah, I, I think he needs to freshen it up and we need to be a bit more on the front foot as well, I would say, in these uh, in these next two games because we, we should be aiming to win them both. I think, and this is uh, the dreaded curse of me speaking because I'm terrible at what I think, <laughs> but I think the Huddersfield game might be the best thing that's happened to us, Gitto. There's my optimistic head because we needed... Um, a kick up the backside. We maybe were getting a little bit too sure of ourselves. We needed to make sure that we 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 run the hard yards again. And if the players out there just simply can't because they're too tired, then Cooper needs to analyse that and make sure those players are given the rest they need. Um, that said, that going into a game against Coventry, who I think, as low as they are on the table, I don't think they're that bad a team. I think I've I've seen only seen them a few times this season, but every time I've seen them, they've they've been in the game and they've. They give us a torrid game um, up there in the season. And and I just feel like uh, this is one we do definitely need to turn up to to make sure that we don't get nervy. Because if we go behind against Coventry, it will play on the players' minds that they have run the risk of losing two on the bounce. And we all know the fingers or the eyes that are looking at Brentford now and, and people saying that their season's collapsing around them. And we certainly don't want to bring that pressure on ourselves. No, definitely. I think there is a pressure there, definitely, to bounce back, especially since I think we recognise this is this is a run of results uh, of fixtures, shall I say, on paper, which um, which which are among the you know the the better runs that we've got between now and the end of the season. We're playing against a lot of teams down towards the bottom end of the table, teams or, or rather teams who are just out of form. Um, but I mean, Coventry on paper, you'd say, look out the form, uh, locked up out the form until this weekend. But like, like you said, really, I don't, I don't think they're quite as bad as their league position would suggest. I've seen them play some nice football this season. They've, they've got some decent players there. I think they can be a bit naive at times, but um, that, that doesn't make them a bad team. And against Brentford, I mean, they were quite easily the better team against one of the best teams in the division. They deserve that 2-0 win, and that will give them so much confidence going into the game against us as well. They've already got one scalp against you know one, one of the promotion chasers. They can go for two in a week. And they should also look back to the game that we played against them in St Andrews earlier on this season and say, well, look, we, we should have got more out of that game than we did. Um, because the Swans didn't turn up that night. That was one of our worst performances of the season too. Uh, and we were lucky to get a draw um, up, up at Coventry. Um, I, I, I'm not looking forward to this game. I think on the back of a 4-1, I, you, you say you could give a kick up the backside. I'm concerned I'd have liked to go straight into the Bristol City match, if I'm honest, rather than a team, facing a team that's just beaten Brentford. Um 
that, that Coventry are always very high energy. They're always going to run a lot uh, and, and make life difficult for you. And that's the last thing we need at the moment. I think we, 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 I'd much rather play against a passive team that's a bit scared, a bit intimidated, and will sit back. That This Coventry team is not the kind of team that, that we want to be playing against at the moment. And I am a bit concerned because I think when you go a long time without, um, without losing the way the Swans have, and suddenly you have a 4-1 defeat, then if we follow that up with, with another defeat to a relegation uh, battling team... I think fans will start getting edgy. It never takes much to make Swansea fans edgy and and a little bit twitchy. Um, And I'm worried that we could see just the moves change a little bit if we don't respond um, from that Huddersfield game. But it's a real test of character for the players because that, that was a beating they took up in Yorkshire um and, and it it really that kind of thing is going to leave its mark so it's a real test of character for this side now to see if they can respond and put in a much more convincing performance against Coventry yeah um Steve uh, well I get to mention wanting to play Bristol City it may not actually be a good time to play them at all now uh, but we'll come on to that shortly and um the Coventry game now it is a fixture which you you, you think we we can win, but at the same time, uh, well, we, we we should win if we if we're serious about approaching credentials. Uh, again, let's chuck my positivity hat on. It's very unusual for me to be this positive, so let's just bask in it, <laughs> and say that if Coventry approach this game thinking we know how to beat a top team now because we just beat Brentford on the weekend, they're going to be in for a shock because we couldn't be more unlike Brentford. If we try, we're very much the opposite side of the spectrum, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Um, so uh, Coventry will be coming here with with a reasonable amount of confidence at us all, having had a, a very good win over Brentford. So probably not necessarily the best time to play them, but I mean they're in you know they're in their league position for for a reason. Even though the XG puts them above us, I had to get that in there. Um, <laughs> He yeah, will keep uh, taking, won't he? <laughs> they're they're only above us, but uh, interestingly, they're two above us, and Bristol City are one above us. Just to, just in case anyone was wondering, but I think this is one of the biggest games of the season for us, actually, because we've had this like defeat. It's going to be interesting to see how we how we bounce back, uh, really. So, and how the manager decides to approach it. It's it's going to be an interesting one this week to see how we uh, how we get on. I mean, are we gonna? You know, b- bounce back, especially and get four to six points. Or are we going to wobble slightly and make everyone, you know, panic? So, yeah, I think it's this is a big week for us. I'm hoping we're going to uh, do the former. Is there an expected conceded goals? Do they, is that a thing? Do they do they do that, or uh, is it just yeah, scores? Yeah, there is. Why you want to know, do? You? Yeah, I'm interested now. Now that we we're, we're sticking on this theme of uh, whether we should be where we are. Um, well, it's not updated from the other day, is it? So, but it says we should have conceded twenty-eight goals, and obviously by that, by after before Saturday, we'd conceded fifteen. 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 Oh. Uh, in fact, twenty-eight is still very low for. Sorry, yeah, fifteen. Ex- sorry, expected conceded goals. That's still, you know, the mark of a very. Yeah, good. and it says we should have scored. Um. What does it say there for the goals scored? Two. <laughs> no, I think it says we should have scored about twenty. We should have scored twenty-eight as well, which is that's low, isn't it? Yeah. 
That's very low. So we should have scored and conceded 28 goals. Yeah, but the Which defense puts, is the big difference, really, rather than attack, isn't it? We, we well, yeah, we we we're 18 goals better off than currently. Um, yeah, because it says we should have 30 points, and obviously we fine. have uh, 56. <laughs> we'd be we'd be outside of the bottom three by a go- with, by a point. Amazing. Yeah, well, that's not well on it, gents. It was just a comment. God, leave it alone. Yeah, we are really <laughs> investing a lot of time on something that really depresses us. Well, <laughs> welcome to the podcast on expected goals. This week, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll look at the Coventry game uh, as a, as a, a tactical perspective. Now, then, uh, Gitto, um, we wanted changes, or certainly I wanted changes for Huddersfield. They didn't arrive. Surely now. Cooper's going to look at it and think, right, I need to need to look at one or two players who haven't been performing the last couple of weeks. We've got away with it up until now. Um, would you make changes? And if so, what, what sort of uh, personnel changes would you make? You'd have to. I mean, so one, one change is obviously forced with Bennett going out. So you'd imagine Cabango comes in there. Um, I, I, I'd i be tempted to play Latibaudier as well. I think he's, you know... It, uh, he's a good, he's a good little football. I don't think he's ever let us down when he's played, um, and I think he should have played a bit more this season. Um, I think Bidwell definitely needs a rest. I th- I've thought that for quite some time. He just doesn't look like the same player he was at the start of the season. He's still doing a decent job, but I think Manning could give us a lot more energy on that wing um, that than he can provide. Midfield could do a freshening up, maybe dropping Fulton for for Smith. Um, I think we still need to keep Horahan in the team for his set piece deliveries um and uh, unfortunately i i would have loved to have given jordan morris a start um ahead of either of iu or or low take your pick out of those two um but unfortunately i that's not likely to be a possibility and um i i don't think we you know unless Unless he pulls a rabbit out the hat, I think the only other option is is Whitaker, and I don't really see him starting um, the game uh, just quite yet. So I think we're going to be stuck with with those two. But yeah, I think Bennett's injury is probably going to force a change at centre back. Bidwell needs to be changed as well, um, and and then a matter of bringing Smith in for for Fulton. I think those will be the changes for for Coventry. I can't believe we've just spent a good portion of this podcast talking about how good our defences and get those ripping it up for a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's I do get what you're saying. Ser- it's a forced assert, <laughs> He wants to drop Woodman now. He thinks uh, Ben Hamer is the man forward. No, I'm only joking. Uh, yeah, I um, I do see what you're saying. I do think uh, is Ben definitely out for the for the game against Coventry. We I don't do. think he's definitely out, but I think that's the. That's the hint. Yeah, you'd expect so, wouldn't you? If he couldn't finish the game, uh, and, and in a... fairness, I, I attempted to give him a rest. Anyway, I didn't think he was great against Huddersfield. So, um, and and you know, Coventry have got some mobile um, attacking players as well. So um, maybe worth bringing in some younger, fresher legs because we, we've seen with Bennett as soon as somebody goes past him, he doesn't even try to catch up with them. He just I love it. Down. What <laughs> a cynical just, player. No no nonsense at all. Just, yeah, I'm not going to catch you. Just get down on the floor. Ref, get your cards because I'm about to take this player out. I can't be bothered to chase, so I'm just going to pull him to the floor 35 yards from goal. Um, yeah, he takes a book in. I've never seen. I haven't seen a player in a long time who's just got such a no-nonsense approach. 
uh, doesn't appeal it, doesn't worry, just goes, yeah, go on, I'll take the yellow. Um, I don't know, I just love, I just love Ryan Bennett. I, I think he's a great, great, great addition. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how it plays out to pressure on um, Mark uh, he, uh What's your back five look like then? Uh, you what you put Latibo here full back, or would you would you play uh, Manning instead I'd, of? I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted to play Latibo instead of Norton. That, yeah, that okay. leaves you a very young back, centre back um, trio then of Gay Cabango and mm. and, and Latibo Dier. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd be tempted to go for that. I think it's. Um, I, I think they're still three very very good uh, centre backs who do a good job for us, in my opinion. Yeah. Well. It's where the Cooper risks changing two of his three centre backs at one in one go, whether he just wants to dip one yeah, in. That's, it's unlikely. I don't think. Yeah. Latimer is going to start, but it, just if I was in charge. Um, mm. But in fairness, Cooper's got. You know, I, I've said I've I've said a lot this season that I'd like to see him make more changes than he has, and for the most part, Cooper's results show that he's got. You know, that his his judgment's been right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Steve, um, before I, I, what I was discussing with you guys before we start recording is is the need to regain control in midfield. We didn't have it against Forest. We didn't have it against Huddersfield. Um, we were very passive in both those games, uh, where a lot of the time was spent in our half. We weren't pushing ourselves on the opposition at all. Didn't see much of the ball in either game. And let's for the for, for the for the start, I will say. Conor Horahan is an outstanding talent for this division. And, and and I'll follow that up by saying, when we signed him, Aston Villa fans said almost in unison, he's gutted, he's, they gutted his going. Uh, he provides some magical, memorable moments and he'll score goals from all over the place. And he's already proved that in his short time here. Um, but they also said perhaps he wasn't quite up to the... Uh, wasn't involved enough in the Premier League to justify playing, so it was the right decision to make. And I do feel perhaps we've seen a little bit of that as well, that he's not necessarily involved in the general play as much as uh, when we were seeing uh, Smith, Fulton and Grimes as the midfield three. Yes, we all said beforehand it's negative, it's not attacking, but at the same time, it was a control. It was an element of control, protection, and making sure the opposition didn't overwhelm us. Um so that all, that, you know, jargon aside, I think Cooper might look to bring a Smith back into the team and maybe look to re-establish that control in midfield. And now I really don't want to see Horahan drop out of that midfield. So my theory was, given that we've already discussed and Gitto's already made the point as well, the valid point that AU and Lowe have both been off form uh, in the last couple of weeks, maybe one of them makes way and Horahan moves a little bit closer to the striker and that way we can accommodate Horahan give one of the strikers a rest and still bring more control into midfield by bringing Corey Smith into it. Does that sound a bit too pie in the sky and completely out of character with what Cooper's going to do? Or do you have another opinion? I don't think he'll do that. I think it's an interesting like, prospect. Um, but like I said, I think it is uh, unlikely. I mean, that, that would be quite cautious when they're to, to do that. I think, and I think it's been... You know, when he has done it previously, he's been very cautious. But obviously, this would be even more cautious because, you know, you'd have Hurahan drop in deeper than either AU or Lowe, whichever one was really dropped. So, 
you know, I, I do think there's definitely an argument for Smith to come back into the team. I'd probably do it for Fulton if I'm if I'm honest with you. But I think if maybe if things don't go well this week, then it's something to look at. But I, at this stage, I'd be very surprised if uh, if Cooper did. I mean, he he doesn't make many changes at the best of times, and he's got this formation now, and I don't really see him changing it. If I'm honest with you, he's he's stuck with it pretty much since you know that half dozen games before you know the end of last season and. You know, it's obviously it's worked quite well for us, so I I don't think he's going to uh, make any changes like that. But we had Graham Potter, who you would never ever guess who he would play from week to week. <laughs> changes goalkeepers every game, uh, and we go on to Cooper, who will not make the changes, and you, <laughs> you're looking at it going, God, there is a line in the middle there between the two where you would uh, probably find a happy medium. Um, what sort of changes do you expect to see, Steve? I think Manning might come in. Um, like I say, I think Smith will come in. Glatterbodier is an interesting one, as, as Gitter was mentioned. That, I mean, that's a, you know, that could be a possibility. Other than that, I don't think much will change. I think most of the others will will keep their places, really. Okay. Um, Gitter, how do you see this one going? Uh, I'm. Don't think it's going to be an easy match for us by any means, and, and I think we're going to get a one-all draw, um, which um, would, I'm hoping, kind of settle things down after Huddersfield. Although I'm sure a lot of fans would still not be happy with that. But I mean, Brent Coventry have just beaten Brentford; they're going to come down here full of confidence. Um, I think I'd take a draw right now if I'm being honest after the performance oh. against Huddersfield. <laughs> Well, you started digging now, Gitto, have you? <laughs> You'll be joining Steve down there now. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward much more to the one next weekend than the one in midweek, put it that way. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. Steve, what do you see it going against Coventry? I think it's going to be quite a tough game. I mean, quite could be quite cagey, not a lot happening. I'm assuming you want a score prediction? Yep. Nil-nil. Oh, dearie me, boys. I want a lift after the Huddersfield game, not a bloody downer. <laughs> um, I'm going to say we're going to win it 1-0 um, because um, because I don't want us to go... People look at us and go, oh, Swans have 1-2 now. And I really don't want to feel that feeling because, as Gitto said earlier, we're quite a, a, a twitchy bunch. And I think... I mean, in fairness, if we were mid-table, we wouldn't be nervous. Or, or I mean, look at the middle of last season. No one was nervous and 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 you know, touchy then. I think, in the sense of we weren't really doing a great deal. So if you won a game or you lost two on the bounce, you're a bit like nah. But when you're at the top and teams are win, 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 draw, win, win, then you need to keep winning just to keep up there. And um, that's when you kind of the slightest blip makes you panic and think, "Oh my God, it's all going to fall apart." So, um, yeah, I'm going to say one nil, uh, and we'll all be happy again, or will we? Because before our next podcast, we'll be talk, we'll be playing Bristol City as well. And yeah, on paper, you know, they've they've they're on a hell of a losing run, um, but they're about to a point. Nigel Pearson uh, until the end of the season. And um, there's a risk there, Steve, of a, a new manager bounce. And uh, if anyone's going to get a bounce or bounce someone's head off a wall, it's uh, Nigel Pearson. 
Yeah, it could be either of those two, really, couldn't it? But, uh, yeah, to be fair to Nigel Pearson, he had a good reaction last season at Watford, and I think he was quite harshly treated by them. But uh, he's not the only one who's uh, suffered uh, from that at Watford, is he, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting appointment. He's had some success before, obviously, and, uh, yeah, I think he's probably likely to get a reaction. So, I mean, it would have been better to play Bristol City probably over the last couple of weeks, wouldn't it? Because they've been on a, a very bad run. So, yeah, uh, Bristol City, I think the only team this season who've um, managed to claw a result off us after we'd uh, we'd scored first. Yeah. So, yeah, but in all fairness, that was down to the penalty, wasn't it? That should not have been given. So, yeah, I think it probably makes it a lot more unpredictable, really, for Saturday. You don't know what's... Uh, what's going to happen and obviously we, we don't know how we're going to do in midweek the same with them so that could also have an impact it's yeah it's it's a difficult one to call isn't it that's that's probably the best way I'd say of describing it but they're not having a great season again they always seem to promise a lot and, and not deliver really Bristol City that's, that's my main uh, thoughts on them yeah if we were talking about Huddersfield as, as, as being winless this year and uh a massive opportunity missed. Then uh, Bristol City have just lost six on the bounce uh, in the league. So it's um, it's very, very <laughs> great opportunity for them. We talked about very typical Swansea City, didn't we? These are the sorts of games that crop up and you just think, oh no, not again. Yeah, I, th- I think with Bristol City as well, even before this losing run, I think there were some... Games which which they won. I think they beat Huddersfield two 0 in a game which which Huddersfield just dominated. Other than than Bristol City's two goals, you know, and they they rode their luck big time. Um, so they they've been bad for quite some time now, and they, they have had an injury crisis, a really really bad injury crisis. But I still think when you look at the players that they've got available. Um, I still think they're underperforming. I still think that their team is full of championship quality players, um, you know, players who should be able to pick up the odd result and they've just not been doing it lately and their form has been that of, of a team in a relegation battle, not not a team in mid-table. They've been dropping further and further away from those play, those playoff spots and um, I, think, I think Holden... Unfortunately, deserved deserved his um, um, to to go. He, he wasn't the right man. Full stop. I mean, they 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 got rid of Lee Johnson because they seemingly wanted to change of direction, and then they appointed his assistant. I I just it was a it was a strange decision by a club that does make some strange decisions sometimes. Bristol City, and um, you know, I I I thought it was doomed from the start. Really, he had a surprisingly good start to the season, but then. Uh, things have just unraveled since then, and and it's the writing's been on the wall for a while now. And and when they got the six nil against against Watford, it just seemed like really things had spiraled out spiraled out of control at that club. Um, but I don't think he's been helped by some of the players there. I think you know it it seems like it seems to me like the players simply haven't been pulling their weight either. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens now. They've got a new manager coming in. Are we going to see these players then start start to perform to the expected level? Because I think they are capable of better than than what they've shown of late. That's my worry, Steve. Um, we got the Coventry game to come and go first, uh, and I guess the threat of a Bristol City mini revival under Nigel Pearson or whatever it may turn out to be, or if or if anything. Um, 
my feelings towards that hinge on the Coventry game, really, because if we manage to beat Coventry, all is well, and we'll be back to feeling like, yeah, it was just a blip against Huddersfield. But if we don't, if we lose against Coventry, and we come up against a resurgent Bristol City, then you know, then then it is real pressure, isn't it? Yeah, it, it probably is. Uh, we can't look at it another way. If, if we were to, you know, and not beat Coventry, we'd all be looking at that Bristol City game then, wouldn't we? As as one we'd did you he know, say must win? No, must I, I win was a ruffle. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't going to go that far. But I mean, if you have two home games in a week and you're going for a promotion and you don't win either of them. You are going to be frustrated mm. and slightly concerned. I think that's, uh, you know, that's definitely a, a fair way of putting it. I mean, they're, they're not must-win because there's a long way to go yet, and I think there's plenty of twists and turns to come. Really, nobody would have said that Brentford would lose three in a row. Uh, I know that much, so that's how you have to look at it. But I mean, when you do have these two home games, you've got to be thinking four to six points, as I said earlier, as, as being what we were aiming for, really. So. It's as as I said. It's I do think a lot of the Bristol City game really does hinge on what's going to happen in the week. It's it does feel more unpredictable at the moment in terms of how we how we're going to get on. So when you come to ask for a score prediction, I have no idea what I'm going to go for. To be honest, before I do get to um, a uh, a fans account, or uh, I think it might have been the fans podcast account of. Uh, Brentford called the Coventry game a must win. I, I know you're aware of it because we were talking about it. They lost. What I does know. that mean for Brentford? I know. That's really unfortunate for Brentford, isn't it? Because we know what happens when you well, don't win a must win game. I mean, the season ends. For a start. I mean, it, it, you know, their, their season's ended now. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it was must win in terms of their pr- automatic promotion hopes or, or, or playoff Everything. hopes. I mean, We'll find out over the next over the next few weeks, I guess. But um, they've had to yeah, sell their sh- new stadium. <laughs> yeah. It's all gone. Everything, everything. So it's the um, risk of losing a must-win game. I may add. <laughs> stop calling games must-win, people. I mean, like seriously, <laughs> I, I. It's just you're putting way too much emphasis on one game in a forty-six game season. It's just like it's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. I know you're saying it metaphorically i know all that but it's overused and it's it puts needless pressure on single games and it just makes everybody myself included very very angry when it goes wrong it makes you nervous doesn't it when you call something must win you've added unnecessary pressure but it does leave them ghetto in the precarious position of second I know, second place, but but I mean they're gonna be they're gonna be worried, you know, if you're Brentford. I mean, they, I, they, Watford have suddenly become promotion candidates again Haven't when they, they, you know, totally dead and buried. But they're now level on points with Brentford, and that's happened in the in the space of just a couple of games. Um, we're just a point behind Brentford with two games in hand. I mean, uh, if if you were a Brentford fan. I mean, the, the one saving grace for Brentford is the three other top six clubs lost this weekend, um, uh, ourselves included, which just gave them a little bit of help and um, maybe took a little bit of the pressure off of them. But but let's face it, you're going to be worried if you're Brentford right now um, because they have a habit of bottling games. Um, I... I, um, I, I was listening actually to an interview yesterday with um, James Coppinger, um, who is obviously a, a veteran 
Doncaster mm. Rovers players, and they um, it, it, the interview reminded me of one of their more famous bottle jobs um, when they were planning to go up from League One, and they were facing Doncaster on the final day of the season at Griffin Park, and um, Brentford had a penalty which would have sealed promotion for them um, into the championship, which was somewhere back then they had not been for quite some time. Um, and in the final minute of the game, that the penalty came crashing off the crossbar. Doncaster went running up the other end of the pitch, scored, and Doncaster went up instead of Brentford, um, which is one of the great ends, endings to any season and reminded me of Brentford's long and prestigious um, tradition of, <laughs> of, of bottling seasons. <laughs> so um, you know, oh Brentford, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to overstate it because they're a good team. They've got some fantastic players. Um, this is this is, in my opinion, a blip. I think they will bounce back, um, but it's it's definitely helped us quite a bit that they have dropped these points. And you know, for the rest of the season, every time they do lose a game now, that fans are going to be worried. Um, that that it's going to be the start of some kind of big collapse, but I think as um, as some of our fans, a minor, a very small minority, I should point out, have um, have shown this weekend they're not the only jittery fan base in the uh, in the promotion race, are they? I'll put my uh, I'll put my hypocrisy hat on now, given the praise I've been piling on them before this recent uh, run of form, and I still think you know pound for pound they're certainly are one of the best teams in the division by 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 some distance. Um, but I saw a tweet the other day which did make me laugh, which was that um, Brentford are actually the only team in history to have been promoted to the Premier League twice and never play in it. <laughs> <laughs> which is true, of course, because they were promoted a couple of weeks ago and uh, at the end of last season as well um, and never actually played. So that was quite funny, I thought. But um, there's me because I am a hypocrite because I... Uh, I do think they they play great football and they have a more complete team uh, than than most in this division. Um, but it looks like now, Steve, that it might be a battle for four teams at least for now because we saw quickly Watford got into the picture. Um, they could drop out of it just as quickly. Who knows how the next few games will go? But uh, I've given you long enough now to come up with a score prediction for Bristol. So you're going to have to give me one. Um, I'm gonna say two one to the Swans. Oh, well, I needed that pick me up, Gitto. Uh, I am going to go for a repeat of last season's result in this fixture, and I think the Swans are going to win one nil. But obviously, a lot depends on what Pearson's going to do there. He did, as Steve said, had have an instant impact uh, at Watford when he took over there last season. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at the team, they've got the likes of Jeju up front and Palmer and, you know, a couple of decent defenders as well, if they get it right. Um, they've got the capacity to up their game significantly on what we've seen from them lately. So um, uh, I, I, this is not an, as easy a game as, um, as, I thought, as I, I thought it would have been a week ago, for example. Mm. I I am expecting a bounce, so I I'm gonna actually predict a one-all draw in that one. I'm I'm a little bit more, even though I like Coventry, um, I think they're a better team than their position perhaps suggests. Uh, I think we we can win that one, uh, but I, I'm worried about what Bristol City do. 
Nigel Pearson as as as, as they mentioned. He did get a reaction of Watford, and he is one of those managers that um, thrives off uh, firing players up, and they he wants them to run through brick walls for him, and nothing else will do. So, given that it's got a week between now and then, um, yeah, I I, I I that said, I'd be happy enough with four points from the two games, even though they're both winnable on paper. Um, you know, if we don't lose either of them, we get four points, and then that'll still leave us in a very strong position in the league. And who knows where we might even be in the top two if Brentford's recent run of form continues. And uh, we'll see. We'll see next week. We'll be joining, uh, join us again after those two games. Um, and hopefully we will be back. We'll be upbeat and we'll all be talking about how uh, we our expected goals puts us back in the playoff places because we just scored 14 goals in two games and it's just shot us right off that table. But uh, yeah, we may be. We hope, eh? But for myself, Gitto and Steve, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.